And I don't understand why cycling is such a male-dominated sport because it seems quite suited to women's bodies and capabilities. So I don't understand it at all. But I was never more of a feminist until I started riding my bike more. <laughs> hey, what's up? This is Kat. Welcome to the Joyride. Hey everyone, wherever in the world you may be, my name is Kat Caparello and you are listening to episode 7 of the Joyride Podcast, a celebration of women who ride bikes. Each week, I publish a new conversation with a different woman who rides a bike in some form or fashion. Now, you may or may not be able to tell, but I am getting over a cold or some kind of allergies or something, but thankfully that was after this was recorded. So this week on the Joyride, I am joined by adventurer, cyclist, and doula, M. Flynn. She's the author of This Is Not a Guidebook. We're going to talk about touring Iceland, breaking down in Bellingham, and doing things your own damn way. Follow along at home at girleatsbike.com forward slash joyride007 for the show notes and any links that we discuss. I'll be back after this to fill in any gaps. Now let's get into it. M. Flynn, I am super excited to have you here on the Joyride podcast. Thanks so much for taking the time to chat with me today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, so I want to talk to you about bikes and bike love and all that kind of good stuff. Great. I want to talk about bikes too. Sweet. Um, <laughs> and you do have like an impressive collection of, uh, of bikes there in the background. Are those like roommates' bikes? How many, how many folks do you have that own those there? This is a collection. There's three of us in this house, and so this is this is Mackenzie's. We joke this is Mackenzie's sports wall because she's got a roving collection of skis and wakeboards and bikes and things. And then this is mine and Christian's bike wall. Um, and I think I might be picking up another bike this weekend, so I think we're gonna need some more bike storage. There's know. normally another one kind of like hanging out somewhere. So you have like five or six in the house already? We have four, sometimes five. That's yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Sweet. So uh, where in the world are you? I'm in Oakland, California. Okay. Did you grow up in the Oakland area? No, I grew up in Philadelphia or just outside of Philadelphia. Right on. Where outside of Philly? Spent most of my life in southern New Jersey, in Woodbury, and then my parents live in Media, Pennsylvania now, which is just on the other side of the bridge from right Philadelphia. On. Right on. I'm a, I'm a Jersey girl myself, so, you know, big love for the Garden State, um, but also have relocated to the West Coast, so <laughs> there's that. <laughs> well, you know, then the world is really small when you're from New Jersey. You just always meet other people from New Jersey. At least I feel that way. Yeah, I, I feel like we're at least it's interesting here in Portland how like we have a little East Coast tribe that's gravitated towards each other. Yeah, me too. I have a big Philly crew here. It's really from college and high school and just people that I knew. Um, and I see people walking around with Phillies caps on all the time. It's just a ton of Philly people here. It's so much fun. Mm -hmm. I love that. Um, so where did you learn how to ride a bike? Like, do you remember your, that process for you or? I do. My dad taught me how to ride a bike. Um, my parents aren't particularly like 
sporty athletic people, but my dad definitely took it upon himself to teach us T-ball and how to ride a bike. And, um, I remember my first, my first bike was this Barbie bike with pink streamers. And my dad put the, um, training wheels on. And I remember one of them was never right. So I always had these crooked training wheels. So I had to kind of ride on one side and the other one was always up hanging. So it wasn't really, it was kind of like a lopsided tricycle that I learned on. (laughs) So did you like, pretty much always ride bikes since then was there a gap somewhere in there no I always had bikes and again like my family is not super sporty and we didn't have a lot of money but we always had a ton of bikes lying around and I can remember very clearly always going to Toys R Us or somewhere to go pick up a new bike as we got bigger um and we lived in a neighborhood in New Jersey with sidewalks and with other kids that lived nearby and so a bike was a great way to get around and get to our friend's house and took a bike to college and commuted when I had classes in the city and classes at the brother's school. Um, so I've just, I've never really thought about it that much until a couple of years ago, but I've just always had two wheels to cruise around on. That's awesome. Awesome. So like, even though your folks weren't sporty, were they, did they ride bikes too? Is there a part of that that was part of that bonding? Yeah. I mean, I can remember my dad and I had a kind of tense relationship when I was in high school, but I remember I couldn't figure out how to ride while letting go of the handlebars. And I remember going to my dad to ask him like, Hey, how do you do that? And he's very much the like throw you in the deep end of the pool to learn how to swim kind of guy. And he was just like, just let go, just go down the hill and let go, but wear jeans because you're going to get really banged up. And they kind of just like sent me on my way. Um, although I didn't really master doing that until like two or three years ago because I've been kind of a chicken. Um, but yeah, we always had bikes. My mom had a little like seat to put the roving group of babies and cousins and things on the back of the bike and, cruise around or down the beach when we go down the Jersey shore, we'd always rent bikes and ride around. Yeah. That's fun. Um, so what is your, so what kind of riding do you do now? Like, are are you primarily a cyclist? Do you drive also? Like, what's that look like for you? Um, I have a car that hasn't broken down in two years, which is new. Um, I didn't, (laughs) I didn't have my first car until I was 24 promptly broke down, got another car that promptly broke down. Um, so I was back just commuting on a bike for a couple of years and didn't bother with a car. Uh, but now for work, I have to have a car. Um, but because of the area I live in, it's really, it's hard to park and the traffic's really bad in the Bay area. And so I just found that getting back on my bike is more convenient and quicker in a lot of ways. Um, and I don't like driving. So I commute, I had my bike stolen this summer, so I don't have a trail bike right now. Hopefully I'll get one soon. Um, I just have this heavy vintage Schwinn. So it's just kind of cruising around and going to pick up groceries and going to work and things like that. So just urban commuting. So that's like primarily what you're up to now in terms of that, in terms of your, your everyday riding is commuting and utility cycling and stuff. Yeah. 
hoping to expand, you know, get a bike that is kind of mixed road, dirt capable. That's also a good touring rig and can hopefully do some longer rides pretty soon. So what kind of, like, have you done longer rides or have you done any kind of tours? What, what does that look like for you? Yeah, I've done a couple, like, long, over a week long tours and then a bunch of weekend kind of backpacking, bikepacking trips. Um, I've done two long tours where I was with a group or with a partner, and then I've done one solo tour about two years ago. I was in Iceland and did a two-week-long tour just kind of cruising um, around the Golden Circle and various other destinations. So so you went to Iceland solo and rode your bike around for two weeks doing that whole thing. Like, why Iceland? Like, what was... Why there as opposed to, and, and I mean, I'd love to know like where else you've toured, et cetera, but like what brought you to Iceland in particular? Um, I, I mean, it's so corny to say that I really love Bjork and like her music is so much about that location, but it's true. I just, I don't know. I started listening to her when I was in high school and like Mopey and had insomnia and was always listening to her singing about the cliffs and I tend to gravitate towards colder northern places um I really like traveling in northern Europe and um Scandinavia and so I don't know I'd always wanted to go to Iceland and there was so much about going on a bike and being able to see it slowly and being out in that environment that was more appealing to me than I mean, a lot of people rent cars. They go to Iceland, rent a car, do the whole ring road. Um, but I knew I had more time to spare with that trip. And so I wanted to do it slower and closer to the ground and be out there a bit more in a vulnerable, self-powered way. Um, so that's what I did. So you've mentioned, now I don't really know anything about Iceland. Um, you've mentioned the golden circle and ring road. Tell, what is that? What's that all about? So the ring road is, there's one road that goes all the way around the island and that's the ring road. And then the golden circle is an inland road that goes through geyser and a lot of the fjords and the lava fields and thing and a lot of these major destination points, a lot of that hot springs and things like that. Um, and the golden circle is not too far outside of Reykjavik too. So it's a lot of people go to Reykjavik and then head inward to the golden circle and do that loop. My goodness, that sounds amazing. It's gorgeous. It's the most beautiful place. And it's a really weird, funky, strange, difficult place, uh, but totally worth going and checking out. So did you camp there or did you stay in hostels or like, what did you do? I did a mix. Uh, I did stay in a lot of hostels just cause I wanted to kind of have some social interaction while I was there. Um, and so I just stayed in the bunk rooms and could chat with people at night and play cards and things like that. Um, and then I camped when I felt like it or when I knew there was a cool spot. So, 
I know that you have done some other traveling, which um, which I want to ask you about. But like, was that your was that your first time doing something that was solo in a foreign country like that? Or am I? I'm assuming that. I mean, everybody speaks English there, or like, what what's up with that? The language thing. Yeah, pretty much everyone speaks English and really great English. I couch surfed the whole time that I was there and stayed with some really lovely people and found some other solo travelers through couch surfing as well that I just hung out with, uh, including another guy who was on a bike tour. Um, and we didn't ride together, but we sort of hung out when we were in Reykjavik um, and then saw each other again later on down the road and just kind of hung out. Um, but no, I've done a lot of solo traveling. Uh, that was my first solo bike tour that was international and not long. Um, but I've done a lot of foreign travel just by myself or eventually going and meeting up with a group or a program, but starting the journey alone. Um, but it was a lot different when I was carting a bike around. It definitely posed some interesting new challenges uh, that were worth it and good, but some hard stuff too. Like what? Just being alone and like dragging around a bike box (laughs) for one thing. (laughs) Um, And I don't, I I had a lot of strange interactions with um, mostly male sort of people being very discouraging. And I think because I was alone, I was super vulnerable to that. I mean, it was kind of out of character for me to listen to so much negativity and mm. take it. Um, and I remember at one point I was stuck. It was the weather got really bad and I was stuck and feeling really beat up in this town called Hella, which felt very appropriate. Um, and a truck came by, and actually the wind was so strong bouncing off the truck, it actually blew me off the road and off my bike. And I was really shaky and tired and was like, okay, I need to change my plans. And I was staring across the highway at this bus that I could have taken this bus, and I would have blown all my money to take this bus to go to this one thing that I wanted to see. And I remember standing there and going, I wish that somebody else was with me because I just want somebody else to make this decision for me. And I honestly, I wouldn't care what it was. I just didn't want to make any more choices for myself that week, that day. Um, Which is kind of a weird, weird challenge with solo traveling is, is wanting to give up some autonomy and independence for the sake of just having, I don't know, some companionship and some shared experience and easing that burden. Um, but it was, yeah, it was different when I also had the responsibility of like an, an expensive item to move around with my bike. Gosh, that was something I, you know, I've never actually thought of is just that um, almost like you said, the burden of autonomy of like, what, you know, should I do this? Because when, when you're riding with a, you know, with a partner, you can kind of be like, okay, well, what do you want to do? Mm-hmm. And, you know, compromise or find commonality or whatever it is. So that's, that's interesting. I hadn't really considered that. 
Yeah, it's hard to constantly commiserate with yourself and also high five yourself. It like it gets exhausting, <laughs> and it's so like you know so sad for me. Um, I realize <laughs> that like my pity party is super small. Um, that's sarcasm, right? I mean, that's what that's what's going on there. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's just. Like, it's worth it, and I realize how fortunate I am all the time on these trips, and I some, I come back from these trips, and like, I'm exhausted, I'm never traveling solo ever again, and then I get interested in something and just kind of get up and go, and, um, yeah, but I would, like, I would really love to start traveling more with other people. Sometimes it's kind of my, my New Year's resolution this year, ride more with rad people. Well, I mean, that's actually, um, kind of a good segue then. So you do, because of your commuting and utility cycling, you do most of your riding alone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you ever like ride with groups? I know you've got obviously housemates there who have lots of bikes. Mm -hmm. Um, so like, how is it that you, there are people that you already know, or do you ever, do you do like fitness riding or road riding where you like find groups of, of like-minded folks or how does that work for you? Uh, I haven't been and I really like to, and there's, you know, meetups and it's definitely in the Bay area. There's a lot of opportunity for that. And so I'm ready to get going on that. It's, it's like a scheduling thing. I don't really ride with my roommates much because we have very different schedules. Um, Mountain biking, I do mostly ride with other people. It's pretty rare that I go out and trail ride or go to some lift access place by myself. Um, I'm normally going with the group and just kind of tagging along with that. Um, but more like commuter cycling and urban riding definitely tends to be a bit of a solo jaunt. Unless we're all like going to the bars and then sometimes there's a collective if I can convince other people to ride instead of take part or something. <laughs> um, so what do you consider to be like an every ride carry for you? Like what kind of, what, what do you bring with you when you're, when you're on the bike? I have to bring my locks, learn my lesson <laughs> with that. Um, and I have this ever growing collection of backpacks at this point. Um, so I got these cool little, um, I don't know if I'm pronouncing it correctly, Nog or Cog little bike lights that are really, they're really tiny and they're really easy to take on and off. They've got this rubbery component. And so now I take them with me everywhere because I can throw them into a purse or a backpack or my the jacket pocket. Um, so that's really nice and convenient. Um... And then I have this really tiny multi-tool, and I normally take that with me as well. But I tend to be fairly minimalist, especially because there's a thousand bike shops around here. So if I'm going under 10 miles, I'm not probably going to bring a patch kit or something like that. But longer rides, patch kit and some tire levers and just kind of basic flat maintenance stuff as long and with my multi-tool. So what kind of comfort do you have um, mechanically with maintenance? Like, 
what do you feel like you can do well? What do you not even bother with? And you just bring it to the shop. I don't try to fix everything by myself first, or at least do research on it, but I am not mechanically minded at all. I'm stubborn. So I tend to get pretty close most of the time from YouTube videos and like, or like asking friends. Um, I can fix a flat. I can like adjust various tightnesses and heights and things like that. Um, derailers elude me for some reason and it's very frustrating because I don't know how much time I've spent trying to fix my own and you know I'll spend days and several hours and way exhaust my attention span for that sort of thing before I wind up taking it to the shop um or having a friend kind of break it down and help me again um and then I really, my goal soon is to learn how to do my own cables and housing because I've only done it on the fly with help um, on a tour before. And it's been few and far in between that I've done a complete stripping of everything, all the cables, all the housings, and then putting it all back on. Um, but my old vintage Schwinn here needs a complete makeover in terms of the cables and housing. <laughs> So it's going to be my my new learning project in the next couple of weeks. Oh, that'll be, that sounds like that'll be really interesting, <laughs> fun like project to do. I'm yeah, fun. Fun is generous. <laughs> I'm like afraid to get started with something like that because it's like I might never ride that bike again. Well, I'm going to need help. another backup bike so that. If it takes me a week to figure out how to do it, that I can still ride a bike. Um, so it's kind of what I'm waiting on right now before I delve in. I totally hear that. Um, so I am curious because, like, I'm just, like, a bike camping, like, touring-hearted person, I feel like. So I'm curious as to where else you have, where else you've done that sort of thing. Um, my first tour, when I first moved to the West Coast, I was living in Olympia, Washington. And so we did a tour from Olympia to Vancouver, BC, um, which was great. That also was like a disaster on so many levels. So many things went wrong mechanically. And I had this 10 speed Panasonic Sport 500 with tidy cab bucket panniers and my boyfriend at the time acted like he was this expert bike tour, but neither of us had ever gone. And so it was carting around 60 pounds of weight totally in the back. And like this bike weighs like 20 pounds. It's such a light little rig. Um, so it was essentially like popping wheelies uphill the whole time. And I would just pull over and throw stuff out of the <laughs> and not tell him. It's like, I can't carry all this weight. Oh my goodness. Um, and I was exhausted and I didn't make it all the way back through Washington. We wound up having to take a bunch of buses because I just was broken 50 miles back into the States. Um, but even after that, oh, and I rode with a slow leaking flat for 30 miles the second day um, and didn't realize it until we were on the ferry. Um, and somehow that didn't defeat 
my interest in bike touring. And so about six months later, we toured down the West Coast, and that's how I moved to Oakland the first time that I moved here was on my bike from Olympia. Were you just like, that's it, I'm done. I found another town that starts with an O, and I'm staying here. No, my plan was to move here. Um, I wasn't planning on doing the whole West Coast bike tour. Like, I was super done with Olympia. Like, way really done with Olympia. Um, And my, I'm a doula by trade, a birth attendant. And I found a business partner in Olympia, and she's from the Bay Area. So we kind of put some feelers out and together decided to move our lives uh, and our partners and everything else down here. Uh, that was about six years ago. Yeah. So you went from Olympia up to Vancouver, BC, and then like 50 miles back into Washington. You're like, no, peace out. I'm just going to, I can't do this. I'm going to take the bus and finish it up that way. Yeah. And I'm, uh, not an easy quitter. So it was, very dramatic it was I threw my bike down in Belling in the middle of Bellingham Washington like cried on the side of the street and paced around like was not a a good loser at all um yeah well I and mean 12 buses later wound up at our door so I mean, sometimes you gotta know sometimes you gotta know when it's time right yeah and so then you've done then Olympia to Oakland Mm-hmm. And anything else in the States? I've done a lot of, um, like, short weekend trips by myself um, or did kind of hike-bike combos or driving to a place and then just parking my car and biking and backpacking sort of things. Uh, I was living in New Mexico and Colorado for three years, and so I did a lot of – once I got my car, I got – out and explored a lot of the Southwest that way. Um, and I had a partner who was a big biker. So we would go to some spot camp and, uh, kind of do backcountry things and come back to our camp spots and the next day go and do some other trails. Uh, so kind of a mix of bike packing and just kind of like camping sort of things. So like, how do you feel like, the your experience with the riding a bike in general or touring or whatever you want to call it like how do you feel like the bike has sort of changed who you are or has it I feel like it's I feel like it suits me very well just I don't know if changing is the right thing it's a really good accessory in my life um I'm very restless and it's kind of nice. It gives me a chance to go out and explore things while moving. And I tend to need to move around a lot. And I enjoy myself a lot more when I'm self-propelled. Um, it, like, I hate sitting in the car. And I love going places. But sitting in a car or sitting on a plane is just so physically uncomfortable for me. Um, and so it's, and I was, I was diagnosed with an autoimmune disorder when I was 11 and, um, the, 
doctor told my family if I don't want to be on pain meds forever to just be a very overly active person. Um, so that's how I've been to kind of manage my pain is to keep moving. And so the bicycle has been great for me to do that. And it's utilitarian so I can get out and move for a little bit during the day and be productive still. It doesn't have to be something that I carve out as like fun time or like a gym, like going to the gym would be, you know, so that's been really helpful in my life to have that. So, um, a few more questions. If you can hang out, sit still for a few minutes. Yeah. (laughs) I acknowledge that. Um, So how do you feel, like, how safe do you feel? Do you, uh, how safe do you feel in traffic? What about, like, your personal safety, et cetera? Um, it's a mix. So it's interesting because I had this experience yesterday. I was like, oh, I bet this is going to come up in the interview. Um, I was biking around and I always listen to headphones when I'm biking around. I like biking with music and so I'm doing my normal commute ride home and this guy kind of swerves over me and I'm like you know glaring at him and whatever and then he he turned and he pulled over and he was getting out of his car and he was obviously like trying to get my attention and I thought he was trying to ask me for directions at first and so I turned my music down I kind of biked a little closer to him and then I realized he was just like catcalling me and he was getting out of his car to come approach me and I haven't had too many experiences like that but I was totally freaked out um and was glad I'm a relatively quick biker and I just hurried way up the hill and turned and kind of went out of my way to get away from him um so I wasn't feeling particularly safe that it's broad daylight middle of the day, busy part of the city, and this guy just came out and started approaching me on my bike. Um, And that's something that, you know, as a female rider, we do have to think about, unfortunately. And I know several people with similar stories, and so that freaks me out. Um, And it's because of stuff like that when I'm touring, I don't, I tend not to stealth camp. And I know a lot of my male friends who do solo tours or they stealth camp most of the way, if not exclusively. And that's not something that I do that often. I tend to go to designated spots. Um, So that's, I try not to think about that too, too much, but it is just kind of an adjustment that I've made. Um, In terms of traffic and stuff, I mean, I've, gotten hit three times by cars so it's a mix people definitely don't pay attention um and I probably should wear my helmet more and things like that but generally I feel safe you know there's I'm lucky being in Oakland there's a lot of designated bike routes and bike lanes and uh, lots of other people on bikes so it feels like a relatively safe community here you know, I, and um, I hesitate, like, as I've been asking that question during these interviews, because, you know, part of 
this for me is to try to help to share common stories and to break down barriers. And I know that the safety thing is something that can be a barrier for more women or that stops women from wanting to ride bikes. But I also like it's relevant and, um, you know, I don't want to dwell on it certainly, but it's like a real thing that, uh, you know, we have to name and call out and, um, because it, it happens. And the more that this, I mean, thankfully there are just more and more women in sort of like the public eye in a good way about cycling, you know, it's not as male dominated, but it is still really male dominated. And until this gets exposed for what it is, it will just be something that is ignored by the masses there in terms Mm -hmm. of that. So, you know, always really sort of hesitant because like, I want to talk about it, but I also don't want it to be something that's, that stops people. Um, you know, but it's a real thing. I appreciate that it wasn't the first question because I feel like a lot of times when I'm asked about my travels, that if I feel safe and what are the risks, it's like question number one or two. Um, and I, so I, I appreciate wanting to talk about it and needing to talk about it. And I think women definitely need to talk about it with each other and then how to talk about it on a broader level. Um so it's not something worth ignoring, but I think always having that be at yeah. the forefront of the conversations is really doing a disservice uh, to a lot of women. And there's so much intimidation that's placed upon. I mean, I could go on forever about dudes in bike shops and why they all seem to take the same be awful to women training. I don't get it at all. Um, and I don't understand why cycling is such a male-dominated sport because it seems quite suited to women's bodies and capabilities. So I don't understand it at all. But, um, but yeah, it's a real thing. And I was never more of a feminist until I started riding my bike more <laughs> and doing backcountry sports in general. So it's frustrating. Um, so what's your, let's see, I do have like a few different questions I want to ask. Um, like what's the biggest, the biggest pain point that you have while riding? And that could be like a physical pain point or just like something that kind of like stops you or if anything even stops you, um, ever. Uh, I have an old shoulder injury and so I have to be pretty specific about adjusting my riding style and what kind of handlebars I can use. Um, and long tours, especially it's, it really pinches a lot. Um, it hasn't cut very many days short, but I have, there's been a couple times on longer tours where I'm, I have to call it a day because I can't stand the, the pinching that happens kind of up here. Um, cause just, you just are so, you can't move very much. So I need bars that I can be in multiple positions with. So those straight bars just don't work for me at all. Um, but other than that, when I have IT band issues, they start to act up after a while. But um, curious, have you ever gotten a bike fit? Um, yeah, I've had multiple people kind of take a look. And I've done, done one of those saddle molds. Those are pretty cool where you go and get your sits bones 
tested and things like that. Yeah. I think fit is so, is so interesting because, um, you know, we just want to conform to the bike mm-hmm. and, um, you know, I think that that's one of the things that's kind of interesting about women who are just starting to ride is like, is this supposed to feel like this? Um, you don't know that your seat post is all the way down or whatever. It's like, I must be doing something wrong. There must be something wrong with me um, versus maybe there's some stuff that needs to be adjusted. Um, so it's yeah. just kind of interesting. So in terms of like bike shops, do you have a shop that you love that you want to give a shout out to? Um, I have one in Durango that I definitely want to give a shout out to um, called Baylor Revolution, and it's right on Main Street downtown. Um, and Joey is the owner there, and I oh, he's like the shining example of the way bike shop dude should be. And I have a very specific story about it. So it's super frustrated with something on my touring bike. I had just gotten it. I was doing a lot of changes to it. It's a Trek 520. Um, and it had obviously been sitting in someone's garage for a long time. And so things were just stuck. They were so stubborn. So I got really frustrated one day, got fed up, put everything back together and rode into town and took it to Bale of Revolution. And it was the first time I had been there I had this seat post that was kind of set back because I have a really long torso. And so in my haste of putting everything back together, I put the post on backward. And so the saddle looked all funky and the post was on backward. And I didn't notice because I had ridden the four miles to town. And so Joey was doing like a once over on the bike and he goes, so I'm just, I'm really curious. You've got this really kind of strange post setup and I'm just wondering is that intentional if I do something with the bike do you want me to put it back that way like what's going on here and so I took a look at it I was like oh no it's just on backward like I didn't notice and I can't tell you how many shops I've been in where I've talked about the various quirks of my bike and had these bike shop dudes just tell me that it was wrong or that that's not how you do it or that I need this part and just act like I didn't have a lot of ownership or agency with my bike. And Joey has never made me feel that way. And I've had really long conversations with him about different adjustments and what's the least expensive to the biggest upgrade. Um, And he always worked with me on something in between and showed me all the parts and asked my opinion. And it's just a million miles away from any other bike shop experience I've ever had. So bike shop dudes be like Joey, please. Joey, you're doing it right. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, so what is, uh, what's something that you would want like new riders to know? Um, a piece of advice for women uh, that maybe you never got or that you just feel like would be a little gem for somebody. Uh, probably just like in the grand scheme of things, no matter how you ride or what you're riding or how fast you are, or if you walk your bike up the hill 
like in the grand scheme of the world, it doesn't matter. And as long as you're enjoying it, or sometimes it sucks, you know, if you were going to have a supper fest and sometimes those are really great, like type two fun experiences that suck while you're doing it. And then they're awesome when you talk about it later, just like half of my life at this point, um, half of my adventures at this point. Um, but like, it doesn't, you don't have to try and ride your bike like anybody else. You know, I can't keep up with Jackie Harmony when I'm riding with her. She's one of the fastest downhillers in the world and I'm never going to be that fast and I'm never going to have a bike that nice, but it's still really cool to ride with her and it's fun and I'm enjoying myself. Um, and so you don't have to come out the get go and be, you know, Lizzie Hawk or whoever, um, just as long as you're enjoying it. And, you know, I kick most guys' butts up their hills and my bike is squeaky and rusty and it's from 1975. So it literally does not matter. Just have fun. That's so awesome. I think that's really good advice. Um, I want to ask you like kind of a fun question, which is that if you could go for a bike ride with anybody anywhere, living or dead, what would you do? Who would you go with? Where would you go? Et cetera. Oh my God. Uh, I know I'm putting you on the spot. Lightning round. Um, I might ride a bike with like Kurt Vonnegut and I would require him to like narrate it the whole time and force him to like, we'd have to go to diners. We'd have to bike around, like do a tour of, um, the entire parameter of Nebraska or something and just stop at every diner and talk to all of the regular people and just drink excessive amounts of diner coffee and eat gross scrambled eggs and talk to random people. I think that would be my ideal bike tour. That's so much fun. <laughs> yeah. um, so what have I not asked you about that you want to mention? Oh... If anything, if there, if you have any, uh, any blogs or anything that you want to share, um, I know that you have a book that I'm going to put in the, you can talk about that if you want. I'm going to put in the show notes for sure, but anything. Um, there's a whole section in my book about choosing a bike for a bike tour. And I try and break it down in a really non intimidating way. Um, yeah, it's, I think it's that same advice with just starting out to, and my, I try and do this in my book a lot to just help people realize that there is no perfect best right way of traveling um, or doing kind of unconventional travel in particular. Um, so just be wary of that and don't take my word for it. What the best bike is. Don't obsess about reviews. And if you walk into a bike shop and they're trying to tell you otherwise and they're intimidating you or being mean to you, don't give them your business and go find someone who will help you because it's important and it's great to have a good relationship with a bike shop. Um, and if you can find a bike shop with a women's clinic, if you're a female body person, like go find a shop with a women's night 
and learn how to work on your bike with other women. Sure. Awesome. Awesome. Um, I really, really appreciate your time. Um, I am so excited to have finally had some FaceTime with you and get to meet you. And I can't wait to hear where you go next. Thanks. I don't know where I'm going next. No plans in the works yet? Some shorter, like I want to do some overnight trips to visit friends in Petaluma and Sacramento and um, maybe go down to Santa Barbara, but I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. The world is your oyster. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. Everybody, M. Flynn. Thank you, Kat. Thanks, M. Well, there you have it, folks. It sure would be awesome if you left a review or a rating in iTunes, but no matter what, you are going to want to make sure that you subscribe because you do not want to miss the joyride next week when I'm joined by the one and only Monica Garrison of Black Girls Do Bike. This is a good one, folks. Make sure you stay tuned. If you or someone you know would be a good fit to be a guest on the Joyride, please go to bit.ly forward slash joyride guest. That's B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash joyride guest. That is all lowercase. It's one of the few times that that makes a difference. But just go ahead to bit.ly forward slash joyride guest and drop me a line. As always, I appreciate your time and attention. Remember, friends, life shrinks or expands in proportion to one's courage. Take care of yourselves and each other. Keep moving forward, and until next time, I hope you enjoy the ride.